it's some sort of formula that you learned like or avoid these certain foods avoid this certain macronutrient or like you know don't eat this after a certain time like that's all in order to create a calorie deficit in order to lose weight but that's not proper nutrition and that's not proper fueling for an active lifestyle welcome to the less stressed life podcast where our only priority is providing those aha moments to uplevel your life health and happiness your host Integrative dietitian nutritionist Krista Bigler helps health conscious women reduce the stress and confusion around food, fatigue, digestive, and skin issues at lessstressnutrition.com. Now, on to the show. Okay, today on the Less Stress Life, we have an encore visit from my lovely friend Emily Fields, who is a registered dietitian that teaches a mindful macros approach to help women ditch nonsense food rules and depriving diet behaviors for good. Her clients find it liberating to focus on how much they can do instead of how much they weigh and they fuel and support their body appropriately. And because I talk to Emily on and off here and there, we talk about things that kind of present like not that you don't always expect, but just how there's things going on that people need to talk about. And the podcast is a great place for that. So today we're talking about how to know you're under eating for your workout or for your active lifestyle. Like what does that feel like? So welcome back, Emily. Thanks so much. Yeah. So we could talk about this many ways. Like, what does this feel like? How does like, what are the telltale signs, et cetera. But I Mm -hmm. love starting with a personal story and not only, I mean, you see it all the time in your clients. I can think of some clients actually now that I'm thinking of it, where we see this, it's like, I'm like, you have to eat more. And I Mm -hmm. remember this woman recently, she's like, Oh, that's really hard to hear. Like no mm. one's ever said that to me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh yeah. We'll definitely talk about why that is. (laughs) You can't just like not eat and then go to the gym. So tell us your personal story and why you're passionate about this. Well, I think actually I have two examples. The first example was, you know, back in maybe four or five years ago when I had first started CrossFit, I was coming from just a globo gym doing whatever I wanted with weights. And then when I first found CrossFit, you know, the intensity was a lot higher than what I was used to. And a couple months in, I was, you know, making amazing progress with strength. Anyone who's really started strength training from nothing knows exactly that newbie gains is what they call it. It's like you accelerate so fast and how much you can lift and how much you can perform. And it's really awesome. But I just felt like my body didn't change. Like I was like, I'm lifting more, I'm moving more weight, I'm doing, you know, I'm putting in the work and I'm doing it in a way that's not random. Like I'm following a program and I felt like my body, I didn't look like I worked out. And it wasn't until I started really honing in on macronutrients and eating enough, you know, particularly protein, I was very much lacking in my diet. That's when I started to see my body change. We'll talk about this, but I think for some women and men, you know, I work out a lot and I do follow a program and I'm not seeing the changes that I think I should. I don't look like I work out. It's something I hear very commonly. Uh, the second example I have is when I changed modalities in my workouts. I went from CrossFit to wanting to try something new. So I tried Orange Theory and I did it as an experiment for a couple months. I did it three times a week. And, you know, I thought it was equivalent from CrossFit to Orange Theory. And I'm a very competitive person. So maybe I take it a little bit more seriously than others, but it's a different kind of workout. You're working hard for 60 minutes, whereas maybe CrossFit, you have rest built in because you're doing a strength portion and then doing a short vet con at the end of the hour. So you're not moving the entire time. I noticed after a week or two into Orange Theory, I needed a nap in the middle of the day. And my weekends, like I would fall asleep on the couch watching TV after a workout. So that was one of the signs to me that I needed to be eating more in order to support that higher intensity workout. 
That is so cool because I would maybe not think of it like that. Like, why are you falling? It's like, why are you so tired suddenly? Like what else is mm-hmm. going on? And I mean, if you're not getting enough, you're not getting the nutrients broken down, right? Like if we think about the nutrients that come from, cause I'm always like dissecting everything in my brain. Like, why are you so much more tired? And at mm-hmm. the base, you need different macros, but what do those macros become? They become particular mm-hmm. nutrients that really assist in not being tired. <laughs> yeah. Like bees, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I also just have to ask, did you just drop a Zoolander reference in there when you said Globo Gym? <laughs> I did. Yes, I did. I think everybody knows what I mean when I say that. You know, it's like the bro gym. It's just weights and treadmills and like that's about it. <laughs> that's good stuff. Great points here because I don't really work with an athletic audience very often, right? And so I love hearing about like the newbie games when you first see it and then it's like, why isn't this working anymore? It's because mm-hmm. you relate something. So you gave us some really great points, but I know you have kind of a checklist you've created about this on how a person knows that they're not getting enough macros, nourishment, et cetera, to compensate for the type of workout they're doing. So Mm -hmm. I just like, it's so interesting that when you changed your workout, this happened as well. Yeah. You be open. That's what I would have to say. It's like, just be open to Because and even now I'm thinking, I don't know how timely this episode will be around quarantine and social isolation, but everybody's workouts have changed. You know, if you were originally working out at home or getting outside, you were going to a gym and you had a, you know, program that used barbells and heavy weights and you don't have access to that anymore, there might be a need for more fuel. And that might feel really odd to hear because you think that the intensity is not as high. But I'm finding in my clients that we keep macros and calories exactly the same, or they're actually eating more because they have more time or they're, you know, using their body in different ways. They have longer workouts or, you know, a different type of workout. So we just have to be open that if we change the intensity, change the duration or the type of workout that we're doing, we might require different fuel and more fuel. I love it so much. So let's jump into the checklist you've kind of created on how to know that you're under eating for your active lifestyle. Like here's your sign friend. So there are a few things that we could look at. I think we'll run through a few of them. But the first one being hunger. You know, it seems kind of obvious, but it's not that obvious for a lot of people. So hunger can show up in a lot of different ways. And for my clients, it shows up like irritability or feeling like they have a very short fuse with their kids or their partner. Maybe like munchy feelings or cravings throughout the day, like in between meals, they can't wait for the next meal. They need to be munching on something. I would also categorize this like food focused. So if you are obsessed with food. You are looking to your next meal. You are ruminating about food (laughs) a lot. That might be a sign that you're actually hungry and not eating enough. I oftentimes hear this, the phrase, like, I just can't be trusted with that food in the house or like, you just better not bring it in the house because I can't, like, I can't control myself. That would be a sign that you're actually hungry and you're binging and overeating on those foods because, you know, your body's giving you some really strong signs and signals that you need to eat more. It's really coming from the brain there. I think these are perfect because they apply well beyond the gym. They apply to people's regular life as well. And I would question, I think there's some crossover here as there is with being hungry or craving or whatever, that there's some subclinical blood sugar imbalance too. And I know we've talked about this a little bit too, is that, you know, if you're thinking constantly about it or you can't be trusted or you can't wait till dinner, like, are you getting enough, right? So is your blood sugar Mm -hmm. balance, which is going to have a downstream effect on your hormones, which is going to have a downstream effect on 
kind of how your body builds things, I suppose, as well. So you talked irritable and cranky and munchy cravings and thinking about food all the time or can't be trusted. I love how you like have specific, we can hear ourselves <laughs> in mm-hmm. these comments when you give the examples. So mm-hmm. really perfect. So we're hungry, but you may not recognize it as hunger. We're just like, oh, we hadn't even thought about it as hunger. So that's a great point. Yep. I think specifically for me, it's irritability and crankiness. Like I'm getting, it's not that I feel that low hunger pain in my stomach. It's that I'm like snappy (laughs) and I just don't have the bandwidth like I usually do. So if you paint that picture for your clients or you ask yourself like the different ways that it could look, maybe it'll become a little bit more clear to you that you need to eat more. Yeah. I'm going to put this little tailspin on it. I interviewed someone yesterday or sometime recently, and she was talking about how to know you're stressed because so often high performing people don't believe like that they have stress. And I thought this one was really relevant and it made sense with what you just said. She said, if you're wondering if you're stressed, look at how you're kind, if you're kind to other people and your Mm. kindness level, like if you are short with them or you have a short temper (laughs) or you're impatient, that might be your stress. And I'm like, Oh, that's like such a great pulse. If you can make it so real, so much more, relatable and you can kind of see yourself. And when you can identify something, you can do something about it. So mm-hmm. love that. cool. What's yep. next on the list? Yeah. The second way I would say that, you know, you're under eating for your active lifestyle is that you're not making progress in the gym. So this was likened after my example, but I hear this a lot where it's just like, you're using the same weights, you're doing the same routine. Maybe when you're asked to increase weights, you're not able to, or you're scared to, because you don't think you can do it. Maybe you're just making very little jumps in weights, or you're shying away from making the movement more challenging. So an example here might be that you do push-ups from your knees, and you've wanted to maybe do a real push-up from your toes, but you are afraid to, or like you've tried and you really can't, and it's been years. I see this in the example that I have is in the CrossFit gym when we try to learn pull-ups and pull-ups take a lot of time. You got to develop a lot of shoulder and back strength and a bit of it is technique and working on it. But if you have been putting in the work and trying to do this movement, trying to do things a little bit that are more challenging and require recruit more muscles and you're like, it's been a significant amount of time. I'm saying three, six, nine months, like even longer, something's up with your food and we should maybe talk about eating more and probably more protein to build that muscle. Cool. Love it. Again, very relatable. Like you want to do push-ups from your toes, but you don't think you can. Like you might not be eating enough. Who was going to make those associations? Love it. Okay. Yeah, especially if you're a competitive person and, you know, or you want to impress your coach or your trainer and like they've been really pushing you. It's not about like a mental thing at this point. It's about like a physically can't do and that's frustrating. So it might be time to talk a little about, have a little chit chat about your diet. Right. It is really frustrating if it feels like you're putting in a ton of work and you don't see the benefits and there's so many underlying pieces there. So, mm-hmm. all right. So you're hungry, not making what you may not recognize. You're not making progress in the gym. What's next? I'd say you're not recovering well. So again, touching on my story about orange theory, you need a nap or you need a nap shortly after your workout. You seem to find yourself needing coffee or stimulants to get through the day. This could also show up like you're tender to the touch in your muscles. It takes you longer than your peers to recover and get back in the gym. Like you're kind of chronically sore. Like we hear a lot about day delayed onset muscle soreness, which would be like you're just sore after a heavy workout. But what if that lasts two or three days? Or what if it's like you're always kind of sore? I see this a lot with my clients when they do start to eat enough. They do comment that they're not as sore. They can get up and go to the gym the next day. They can put in the work and perform to the best of their abilities. And yeah, that would be 
categorized as proper recovery. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. What is next on the list? You probably see this more in your practice, but digestion problems. If you're constipated and you're not having regular bowel movements, that could be a sign that you're under eating. We know that digestion slows down when we don't eat enough. We Our transit time is slowed down, which means literally the transit time to have a bowel movement is longer. So this can be, you know, for people that are not eating enough, I see this often. It's also related to not making enough enzymes to break down your food. So our body is really smart. It prioritizes the things it needs to when fuel stores and fuel sources are low. And one of the things that goes when fuel sources are low are making enzymes that digest your proteins, fats, and carbs. So we might see more bloating, more gas, more constipation if you're not eating enough. So I want to talk about this a touch more because I would put not really a caveat, but if your digestion is normal, because this is where I see it sometimes. So I see a lot of digestive stuff otherwise. But if I have someone who has, we've gotten to normal digestion, but then they add exercise, they've added working out now, like they're ready to come back to that because they feel good enough to do that. And then once they add exercise, they become constipated or they have issues with digestion. What does that mean? And so I like what you're talking about there with not having enough food. So your body is prioritizing because it's so smart. It's always trying to protect you. But one thing, one way I've had it explained to me or I've understood it is this. So I'm kind of curious what your thought is here. I've also had people say, depending on the intensity of the workout and how you're working out, if it's a fine before, but it's really just turned on with exercise, is it possible as well? I, I agree that food is more important here, but our body is preferentially moving blood away from the trunk, which is where digestion is happening, right? The central mm-hmm. part of the body, it's moving it more into the arms and legs. And so some mm-hmm. people would say, that's this is just what I've heard. Some people would say that that movement, you're taking like blood flow away from this. So you're taking mm-hmm. priorities away from this. So you're moving it into other extremities, which can also influence digestion. Have you heard of this? Mm-hmm. I have heard of this. I guess I thought it was more in the short term. So maybe why you wouldn't want to eat close to a workout because you wouldn't digest properly. So it might the timing of your meals might have something to do with that. Yeah, makes sense. So mm-hmm. lots of like listening to your body on these mm-hmm. little things, right? If it's yep. chronically out of whack, that's probably not not your workout mm-hmm. as much as like all the other things. But I love I love that you brought this one up as well because mm-hmm. I think I don't see it as often just because people will tell me, oh, I'm going back to working out, and now I've noticed this. So yep. kind of cool for me. Okay, so hungry, not recognizing it, not making progress in the gym, not recovering as well as you'd like. You know, tender to the touch. That was a really good one. And then constipated or having more irregular bowel movements kind of suddenly at the onset of workout. Mm -hmm. And then what else? Anything else on the list? Yeah, the last thing on the list I wanted to chat about was just feeling like you don't look like you work out. So if you're challenging yourself in the gym, but you don't really have the definition to show for it, or you really feel like your body shape and size should have changed, you know, I'm not going to list weight in here as an outcome. But some people are interested in weight loss through exercise. I'd say it's probably more effective to be looking at and measuring body shape and size change because that would be a sign of fat loss and lean muscle gain and just shape shifting as a result of your strength training or your high intensity interval training or whatever modality you like. But if you feel like you've been putting in the work for, I want to say a significant amount of time, six months or longer, you know, it really does take time to change your body. And you just feel like, you know, there should be some muscle to show for that, or, you know, it should be feeling a little bit stronger in the legs or the back or whatever. One, it may be that you're not challenging yourself enough. You're not following a program that actually progressively overloads and has some methodology to it. The other side might be that you're not eating enough. And I guess I would say that that's more common in the world that I see is women not eating enough in general. So they can't 
build muscle. Their body lacks the building blocks in order to make lean muscle and to make the definition that you're looking for, if that makes sense. Yeah. And on the note of not getting enough, it'd be hard for someone to know if they don't measure or track it. Right. So the other point here is to just to be clear, Emily is also saying if you start working out and it's new for you, your diet cannot stay exactly the same if you want to see changes or like positivity happening in your body your intake changes as your activity changes. And that Mm -hmm. seems like a duh thing. But so often we're really creatures of habit. So we like to do the same thing over and over and over (laughs) versus change it or, and it takes like, this isn't stuff we just know superficially, right? Like we don't look at that plate and be like, oh, this is totally enough. Like Mm -hmm. I bet this is just right. So it's not really quite that simple. So you've mentioned that you see more under eating happen. So let's talk about why you think under eating is the bigger thing that you see as the limitation on that list. So I think the reason why undereating happens is because if we are looking to our diet, if we're kind of putting the magnifying glass on our diet and our eating habits, usually it's because we're trying to lose weight. So if we're going to Google, if we're going to our doctor, if we're going to a dietitian or, or nutritionist about our diet, it's usually to lose weight. So if that's the lens that you learned about nutrition through, it's likely that you're undereating because we see 1200 calorie diets, 1500 calorie diets as the end all be all for, especially for females, see limited meal plans and, you know, restrictive kind of food lists and things like that in order to lose weight. So I want you to think back about how you learned about nutrition. And if it's really only through the lens of a diet, you know, maybe it's Weight Watchers and points, or maybe it's blocks, or maybe it's, it's some sort of formula that you learned, like, or avoid these certain foods, avoid this certain macronutrient, or like, you know, don't eat this after a certain time. Like that's all in order to create a calorie deficit in order to lose weight. But that's not proper nutrition and that's not proper fueling for an active lifestyle. Perfect. So what else happens downstream sometimes with like hormones and metabolism, et cetera, when we are under eating? So you've talked about it kind of in that checklist, but like what else is happening under the hood? You gave us so Mm -hmm. many great, like what's happening on the outside, what's happening on the inside? Like What's changing in our hormones? What's changing in our metabolism, et cetera? Like anything else? Well, I mean, I would say that we just kind of have to remember that the body is very good at its job. It's trying to keep us alive. So any non-essential functions are kind of going to be put on the back burner to keep the essential ones going. So if you kind of think about your heart beating and your brain firing and your lungs moving, like filling with air and you're keeping yourself alive and the calories from your food are meant for those things. It's not put towards building lean muscle and making sex hormones and optimizing digestion through making enzymes. Like if we're really talking basic, basic stuff. So if you want to keep your hormones happy and keep your metabolism healthy, it would require more calories because we have to not only have enough to go for essential functions, but for non-essential functions as well. Perfect. What I also heard you say there was that your menstrual cycle is Mm -hmm. an indicator of your exercise and possibly even fertility because your body's going to prioritize away from stuff related to sex hormones if it's busy trying to do basic functions because that's the only fuel it has, right? It's a non-essential, like we should not be able to get pregnant or our body's protecting us from getting pregnant when fuel sources are low because it's not safe for pregnancy. So if your cycle is getting longer or it's all of a sudden shorter or you miss ovulating, you know, maybe you're testing ovulation, maybe your PMS is more dramatic than it normally is. That could be a sign of under eating. 
Yeah. Okay. So we see under eating happen because of kind of what the messaging that's been around for decades, which isn't going to go away anytime soon. I'm going to put in this podcast title, every nutrition student must listen to this podcast. <laughs> so, but we know that under eating is a thing. How do we start eating appropriately for what we're doing? How do we start eating more or within the right realm of what we're doing? So I'd say like on the basic level, I guess we could say that if you want to like save for something, you're going to be checking the ins and outs of your checking account. You know, same thing goes with our body. If we want to see if something's wrong and we want to do something about it, we need to see the ins and outs of that checking account, the ins and outs of our body, which is tracking calories or tracking food in some way. So this can be a really great way for you to see if you're under eating your needs just to download a food tracking app and start logging, you know, fumble through it as best you can and start to get an idea of where you're averaging. And a lot of people that I see are typically under eating throughout the Monday through Friday week because they have a certain rhythm and routine and then they're dramatically overeating on the weekend. So maybe their net across the whole week is that they're not losing weight, but that still is under eating enough where it's, you know, not supporting your workouts. So I'd say tracking your food, learning your trends will be a great first step. I love your analogy about if you're trying to save for something, you got to track things. So if you're trying to do something else, why wouldn't you have to track things? So that makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense. Okay. I guess I would say some people are a little bit turned off by tracking their food or it's just too much detail they're not willing to do. I know that you ask your clients to take a food diary and that could be hit or miss. Uh, You know, some people just don't like to do it. So, you know, another way to kind of go about this in a very first initial step would be to take a kind of inventory of what your meals look like. Are you snacking throughout the day on single nutrient foods, maybe just carbs or, you know, you're really not having well-rounded meals? I always lean back onto PF or macro balance, proteins, fats, and carbs at every meal. So if you're looking at your plate and making sure that you have some sort of protein source, some sort of fat source, and some sort of carbohydrate source, that can be a really great way to start bumping up your intake and feeling more full and satisfied, which can be the first step to eating enough. I like that. I like that because I don't get excited about tracking either. And mm-hmm. so I like having kind of benchmarks in my brain of is this appropriate or not appropriate and writing things down does make it more solid. So even if you don't want to track on an app, you can write down like, how much did I snack today? Mm-hmm. On what was it like? And was it well rounded? And what how did that affect how I felt? What was I full? Was I hungry again in two hours, etc. Because if you're hungry, if you're not staying satisfied after a meal, then something's not quite right. Like you should feel satisfied. You shouldn't feel like you have to eat every two hours. You Mm -hmm. should feel like good, comfortable, et cetera. So Mm -hmm. there's good stuff here. Okay. So we covered a lot of stuff and I'm going to reiterate a few things. How do we know if we're under eating or eating the right amount for our lifestyle? And you gave your checklist, which was hungry, which you may not even recognize as hunger, not making progress in the gym after quite a while, not recovering well, needing naps or stimulants, not having regular bowel movements after starting your workouts. And you feel like you don't look like you work out, which is the pain point you hear all the time. We talked all about kind of the background and how over decades this has been an issue. And then you gave us solutions on how do we start improving this? Like here are some tangible ways you can start making this change now. I always like to ask guests, you know, if someone's listening to this and they feel like, oh my gosh, did you crawl into my brain and pull out my thoughts? What's like the gut feeling that you have that you want to leave them with? Because it's like when there's a whole great episode here, you know, like what's a takeaway you want to leave audience with today? 
I want you to not be afraid to eat more. And like you said before, it can be so foreign to people to even think about eating more. Just the thought of adding calories, especially if you've had a weight problem in the past or you're uncomfortable with your current weight or body shape or size, that can be so uncomfortable. But this is a mind game. You have to recognize that in order to make progress in the things that you're passionate about and to feel your absolute best, it might require more calories. So why would you deprive your body of real whole food and enough macronutrients if it meant that you could have a happy metabolism and healthy hormones and sleep deeply and you know have energy and not need a nap, like all of these benefits, I just really encourage you not to be afraid to eat more. And if you need help with that, to hire someone that can help you with that mind game, because it really is, it can be a, a long, long history of under eating and chronic dieting and just can be feeling really uncomfortable with the thought of eating more, but we're here to help. Yeah. I think it's really important that you address that it is such a mind thing. And sometimes in our field, that's a hard thing because we don't learn about dealing with that so much in school. We don't learn about dealing with it so much in the types of jobs we usually take. We usually do not have the opportunity to, even though it feels like, man, maybe we should be supporting this emotional piece a little bit too. So I think that can be a challenge for all of us. One of the main things, I mean, as we are recording this, my own mother is in the hospital. And one of the things we talked about, because with the current healthcare epidemic, there's no visitors allowed. And one of the things her her kids talk about is like, man, we have a lot of specialties here, like a lot. (laughs) But the missing piece is the emotional piece, Mm -hmm. you know, so it's just nice to hear you kind of ding on that too, because it's okay to acknowledge that that needs that definitely needs support the emotional, the mind game, etc. And it's not an easy change, right? Mm -mm. So Thank you, Emily, so much for coming on again today. I love your knowledge drop in the way you just use Zoolander <laughs> references without even thinking about it and your analogies to checking accounts. Where can people find you online? Who And by the way, she is like an amazing person to find and follow online. So where can people find you? Thank you so much. Yeah. So my website is emilyfieldrd.com, but I'm very active on Instagram. That's where I primarily find myself teaching macro tips and a macro approach that feels a little bit more mindful. We're never just eating to the numbers. We're eating to feel good and actually achieve the results that we are looking for by fueling appropriately. So I would say emilyfieldrd on Instagram would be your best place if you want to get more from me. And I think you have like some a macros guide or something on your website too. If someone's like super interested, but they wish they would have learned about this mm-hmm. somewhere, I think you have like some really like you've actually got a nice little list of like, hey, here's some great places to start here. Your website's very nicely organized. So I think people, if they go there, they can find that. Thank you. Yeah, they absolutely can. I have a DIY macro guide. If you're in this camp where you're just like, yeah, I'm definitely not eating enough. All those signs and symptoms are totally me. I want to figure out how to do this differently. Head to emilyfieldrd.com slash DIY guide or poke around on my website. You'll definitely find it there. You can figure out your protein, fat, and carbohydrate targets that would be more appropriate for your active lifestyle. Perfect. Again, thank you so much for coming on. I look forward to our next chat. Thank you. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stress Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stress Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to 
to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock. 